And so we're in a series called Be the Church. And uh, the, the whole part of this, the big part of this, we're talking about lots of things. It's about knowing that the church is who we are. It's not something that we do. We, we kind of compartmentalize and church is something that I do on this day or this day or this time. But we're the church 24-7, all right? And, and that needs to impact us and change us. Because it's always about people, it's about relationships. And we're, we're looking at the types of relationships that we have as the church. And we just started talking about our relationship with God. And, and we're calling that worship, obviously. Um, but sometimes we hear that word worship and we think, oh, it's just about the songs that we sing. That's an expression of worship. But, but worship is to really honor uh, with extravagant love and extreme submission. That's the idea. And, and so I said uh, last week, true worship is, is really defined by the priority uh, we place on who God is in our lives. That's really the height of this understanding of worship. And then we dug into the scripture last week. Uh, we looked in Matthew and Luke where, where Jesus says, when asked what's the most important thing, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're, we're looking at that idea of loving God and, and with our heart, mind, uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we talked about loving God with our heart last week. This week we're going to talk about loving God with all our soul and what that means and how we're to go there. So that's where we're headed. Uh, that's the intro transition. These are really bad jokes, but I'm committed to them now. So let's see. Maybe it's maybe it's just me the first couple of times that they haven't worked. I don't know. I've been uh, I've been thinking about becoming an editor, and when I tell people that, they they usually ask me why would you want to become an editor? Well, to cut a long story short, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's timing. <laughs> Yesterday I saw a guy spill all his Scrabble letters on the road. And, and so I asked him, uh, what's the word on the street? <laughs> now, I think I'm making you work too hard now. My dog one time ate all the little Scrabble tiles. And for days she kept leaving little messages around the house. <laughs> right. Scripture reading. This is the same verse that we looked at last week, but this time it's in the Gospel of Mark. And in Mark 12, 29 through 31, the most important one answered Jesus is hear this, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we're talking about loving God with all our soul. Again, let me love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So, um, so what is the soul? We kind of have to look at that. That's what we're going to try and define. Point number one in your notes. What, what is the soul? What's he talking about? What's he directing us towards? So the soul is, is that part of you that is not physical. It's the part of you that will live eternally, even after your, your physical body experiences death. Um, there's a picture of this in the scripture way back in Genesis 35. And uh, it's a story of when Rachel dies as she's giving birth to Benjamin. In Genesis 35:18 and 19, it says, It came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is 
Bethlehem. And so if you, if you read that verse, what you see is that Rachel names her son as her soul is departing. And that's, that's demonstrating that the soul is different from the body and that it continues to live after physical death. Um, so years ago I heard a quote that really impacted me and it was attributed to C.S. Lewis at the time and so I, I thought it was you know, really powerful and what C.S. Lewis was quoted to have said is, is that um, uh, you are a soul, you have a body and, and that was really impacting to me because that's a different way of looking at it than we normally look at it we, we, if we talked in the room right now most of us think that we, we are a body and we have a soul but the opposite is actually true. You are a soul and you have a body. At this point in time, we have a body. The body is temporary. The soul is eternal. And uh, I said it was attributed to C.S. Lewis. He didn't actually come up with that. He was quoting um, a Scottish minister at the time named George MacDonald. And here's how the context came. He said this, Never tell a child, says George MacDonald, that you have a soul. Teach him you are a soul. You have a body. And he goes on, he says this, As we learn to think of things always in this order, that the body is but the temporary clothing of the soul, our views will change. So, so this is really significant that we get this. Because we, I think we most of the time do this backwards when our culture has sort of prompted us to think it's backward, that we are a body and that we have a soul. But the reality is you are a soul with a body. Why is that so important? It will help you make the transition from temporary to eternal. And what, what really is the most important thing, the way we're supposed to be living. And we have a tendency culturally to gravitate towards the stuff that's more temporary than to understand that the, the most important things in life are those things that are eternal. Because this is temporary. This is eternal. Well, our soul, see, is, is that part of us. It's, it's, uh, it's the eternal part of us. It's who we really are. Our soul is the real us. And, and so God wants us to love Him from that place in this journey. So we, we need to begin to look at things a little differently in this process about how that, that works. And, and I would say even as you're thinking about that, you have to challenge yourselves because... Because we tend to culturally get stuck more in the temporary than the eternal, that's impacting the way that we see everything. And we're often missing some of the things that God's doing because we don't even allow for the fact that God is doing some things. And so um, we need to be challenged in our thinking in this process. Uh, and, and to understand so this, the, the, the natural or the things that we experience now, the supernatural or the spiritual, I'm, I'm just trying to find a word there that you understand the opposite of the natural, the, the realm of the spiritual, um, is actually more real than this realm, and we don't believe that culturally. We think what we can see and touch and everything is more real, but I'm, I'm telling you the, the spiritual, the supernatural is far more real. One, one of the ways I look to look at that is this, um, if you remember after the resurrection when everybody was, uh, they were afraid and they were in a room and Jesus kind of walks right into the room but all the doors, it clearly says, but all the doors were bolted, they were locked. And so, how did Jesus get into the room? And I think we look at that and our mindset would say, well, he was just able to kind of just sort of wisp his way, like vaporize his way into the room. But I would challenge you to say it's different than that, that... that Jesus, resurrected Jesus, wasn't less real than the wall that he went through. He was actually more real than the wall that he went through. And so it, it, it didn't have that boundary on him. It, because he's more real, he went right through. It's, so have you ever seen a really dense fog and that looks like a, like a solid wall? But, but when you get up to it, you can go right through the fog because you're more real than the fog. And it has to get out of the way. 
I have that idea and this concept and, and those sort of thoughts need to begin to challenge us and how we're looking at everything so that we, we can view what's taking place in that process. So be thinking about that this week, but it relates to the soul. So the soul then is the real us. Matthew sixteen twenty six. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Uh, if we get so consumed by the temporary things in life, which we tend to do, um, nothing that we could attain in this temporary life is, is ever going to be better than the eternal that we have in the soul. So, so we're getting at the, the real us in this process. So how do we then love God with all our soul? That's what he's asking us to do. And, and so the, the, the thing that's going on here is you know, last week I said we love him from our heart, the control panel of our lives, but um, God wants us to love him from our soul in a very real way, um, not a fake uh, external or pious way. See, we're, we're to love him uh, with a real love. And that's point number A. Letter number A. It's not a number. Letter A. I just want to get that right. Okay. <laughs> My wife just looked at me and went, wow. <laughs> point number is just A. We love him with a real love. Now, that's important because sometimes we settle for doing things outwardly. Uh, and, and yet God wants us to love him from deep inside, the, the very core of who we are. He, he is never satisfied with externals um, or something that can be faked or something that can be worked up. It's just not what, does, you know, what he's looking for at all. He's, he's not interested in our performance. And let me tell you again, that's a challenge point because we're so used to having performance. Our performance impact everything in our lives relationally that we think it's that way with God too. But it's not. He wants us all in, heart and soul. And he's concerned about those things in our lives. Uh, I, I love the uh, meeting that Jesus has with Peter. And this is after Peter has messed up pretty bad and denied him three times. And is kind of struggling with how he even fits in this process. And yet Jesus makes a point of meeting Peter. And in John 21:15 it says, When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, why, why was he going after this? Why was he kind of pressing in? Why was Jesus pressing in on Peter? He wanted Peter to take a good look deep into who he was. After he had in the, the heat of the moment denied Jesus with everything that was going on, but then to be restored. See, Jesus was concerned about the condition of his soul. Peter needed to take a look inside and, and, and know that he loved, because he did. He loved Jesus. And, and so Jesus was just challenging to take that look so that he could be settled in that place so that the, the, you know, the, the shame of what he'd done and all those things could be dealt with once and for all. And, and so he, he's looking at, at Peter and helping him to erase um, those three denials out of his life so that he could just follow Jesus all in. And so he, he was going for that soul thing, you know, to get to the heart of what was really going on, the, the, the center of who he really was, was. B, we need to love him with our personality. Our personality. Um, 
The personalities are interesting, right? We all have different personalities. Would you agree? Some are, some are more unique than others. You ever met somebody with a very interesting personality? Don't look around. Don't point. <laughs> so we have grandchildren. Alice and I are blessed. We have seven grandkids. And I know you think you're not old enough. And, and I agree. But still, nonetheless. <laughs> seven of them. And, and my, my daughter has five. My son has two. They're all cool. But what's amazing is this, we talk about these five. These two are cool, but these five. Because they're all sort of same dynamic. They're raised in the same home, same parents. Everything's pretty much the same. And yet each one of them is completely different. Fascinating difference in their personalities. Even the twins who are identical, the last two, the only way I can even begin to tell them apart, seriously, is because they act differently. They have different personalities. One's a little more lovingly aggressive and uh, the other one kind of takes it most of the time until she's had enough <laughs> and then she straightens things out um, but the other three now a little older and uh, it's, so I got Samuel you know and, and uh, Sam's cool he's nine, ten, somewhere in there and he comes now with me on Saturday helps me cook and he, he's learning those things that's his personality he likes to do that Avery she's you know she loves to dance and she's very outgoing and she's just really amazing and Ellie she's the one in the middle and so 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 very middle she's number three of five so she does a lot of things to sort of she's kind of funny right and uh Beth's laughing because she's one of the little dancers and she'll kind of get off on her own and do all sorts of stuff but anyway just think about Ellie so here's her little personality and the way she thinks so she was at school the other day and she forgot to take her homework back and the teacher was saying oh, where's your homework and, and so um, Ellie, Ellie blamed her mama and she said you know my mommy's not very smart <laughs> now the teacher, the teacher knows my daughter and, and knows that's not a correct statement. She's had Avery in her class before that. But I get such a kick out of that when we told me that. I was just like, that's just like her. That's her little personality, see? And so, and, and no one else here has ever blame shifted, have you? No. That's as old as the story goes. Uh, Adam, right? It was the woman you put me with. And the woman, it was the same. You get the blame shifted thing as part of us. But I love that she got that. Well, that was, yeah, it's my mommy's not very smart. So we've got to give her lots of grace in that. So we have different personalities. That's our inner life. That's, it's how we experience life. It's how we think. It's how we feel. It's, it's everything we believe. It's what we want. It's what we choose. It's what we pursue. Uh, the soul is, is where we experience life. Our joys and our sorrows and our peace and our, and our anxiousness. Are, they're all a part of what makes up this inner life. Um, you need to know that, that God wants you to love Him with all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly. Everything is what you need to direct towards God. He wants you that way. Um, not just a, you know, a little part of this or just when I've got it all cleaned up or when I've worked it all out, you get that. No, the, He wants all of you on this journey. And, and to me, that's why I'm such a big fan of the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. Uh, I, I, I read the Psalms constantly. There's 150 Psalms. I, I make a point in my devotional time to read all of them every month. It's a great sort of pattern to get into. I, I wrote a little devotional book on it because they express so many different things. Like, look at this one. Uh, this is Psalm 63. One through eight. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. 
I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of food, with singing lips. My mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to your right hand. I cling to you, and your right hand upholds me. This is just one of those psalms. It's, it's really, you know, it's exciting that the psalmist is in a good spot. He's just sort of crying out from that spot, and it's just really cool to watch that happen. It's very kind of an up lifting psalm and and so it's good that we come that way but we also need to to love him this is see with all of our emotion with everything that we are the, the we don't just come in the good stuff we come in the hard times too which is why i think people sometimes shy away from the psalms because they're not sure how to deal with some of the things they read where where people are obviously angry with god and asking him where he is or what's going on and what's happening and yet God is so amazing. He wants you to love Him with all of that. And when you read the Psalms, what happens is when people come in the midst of their anger, depression, frustration, anxiety, whatever it is, their worry, when they come with that, they end up being directed back at God. See, when you, when you come in the reality of who you are, it'll draw you to God. If you get stuck and you think, well, I can't do that. I've got to fix this in my own strength. Or we, we turn to other things to try and solve those things. It takes us away from God. But when we just come with all that we are, He helps us through the process and it draws us in. Let me read you this psalm quickly. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you my God. You know, just so you know, that's a, that picture most likely is of a, a deer being pursued by something that's trying to, to take it down. And the deer would often get into the streams and run because you couldn't track them and they, they would cover their scent. But they would be so busy running to escape. Even though there was water everywhere, they couldn't take time to drink. So, so they had stopped. And, and so it's this picture of this sort of anxiety and stuff going on and they're just so thirsty but they they can't stop and they can't drink and and the the psalmist goes on in verse 2 my soul thirsts for God for the living God where can I go and meet with God my tears have been my food day and night wow while people say to me all day long where is your God these things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng why my soul Are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs His love at night. His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. So, you know, I think when you read that, you know, people would say, Well, well, That's not a very happy psalm. That's not like the other one you read. Um, in fact, if I wasn't depressed when I started reading it, I'm going to be depressed by the time I get to the end of it. It's not one of those sort of... And yet, the reality is, there's such a, an amazing picture of what's going in here. It's a psalm that will make you sit back and think when you read it. And, and the point that it gets to is, is it more about 
your desire to have God fix your circumstance, or is it the realization that just what you need is more God in your life? That, that you just are desperate for more of Him. That that's what your soul is thirsty for. It's not a circumstantial change. It's not a temporal thing. It's an eternal thing. And, and we have to, you know, sort of understand that, that when life is all a mess, that we just, we want more of God more than anything else. Uh, you know, it, it's great when He sort of resolves things, but, but first and foremost is that we're settled once again in Him. And, and we, we understand that, that thirst, uh, when all those things are happening, Lord, uh, only You will satisfy this thirst in me. And I need You to do that. The psalmist questions, why are You so downcast? When, we need to question when things aren't right. What's going on? And Lord, I need more of You in the process. And as we understand that, it begins to change everything. It helps us to quit viewing everything sort of through our circumstances and allows us to really look for what God is doing. When we do that, there's rest and there's peace and He restores us once again. So that's all I'm going to say about that today. And uh, we'll talk more next week. We've got a lot to talk about yet, and that's good. But those are things to think about. Think about that and, and ask yourself that question. Do I think of myself as a soul with a body or am I really kind of stuck in I'm a body with a soul? And ask God to help you sort of make that transition. It will change a lot of things done there. Ministry team, those of you here want to head over the wall. People on the way over the wall here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything today, they'll make sure that uh, they'll, they'll take time to pray for you. They'll pray for healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations uh, in what's going on. In our prayer time earlier as a group, we really felt like there would be people today here who grew up in church but have sort of not been, been coming lately and, and that, that um, God knew that you would be here today and, and that he's been waiting for you and looking for you just like the, the father in the prodigal son story where he was waiting and watching and he's, he's, he's just been looking for you to come and he, he just wants to love you and let you know that you count, that you matter and if that's you uh, today uh, you'll know and you should go and let someone pray for you for that but let me pray for you as a group Papa we're thankful for who you are in our lives you're such an awesome God help us, Lord, to love you all in heart, mind, soul, and strength. To put you first in our lives so that we can love everybody else with your love. And God, as you do that, let that change not only us, but impact the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there are pray for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, ah, make that decision today. It's, it's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God, you're broken like all the rest of us, you've sinned. Ask God to forgive you, which you'll do. And then in faith, invite and accept Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a simple prayer just like that, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. If you need help, just go over and ask somebody. Say, hey, I want to know Jesus. And they'll know exactly what you mean. They'll help you with that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything... I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. 
Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service today, God, so they can hear about your love for them as well. You are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is over. Their food will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Uh, Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Hope your team wins. If you can get out there in this weather, catch some fish. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.